Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1994's Crumb, directed by Terry Zweigoff. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? I watched Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie uh, from Ah. 2012. If you didn't like the show, Tim and Eric's awesome show, Great Job, then absolutely do not see this movie because you won't appreciate anything about it. And even if you were a fan of that show, you might not even appreciate anything about it anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's some, like, I, I've never seen a movie so polarizing to its intended audience. Some people mm-hmm. just absolutely loathe it, and other people think it's, it's a work of true genius. And I'm probably <laughs> the only person in the middle, because I know I laughed, and I also know that I groaned quite a bit. Uh, so, Are you a fan of the show? Yes. I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, okay. I was a big fan of Tim and Eric. Yeah. Okay. Thumbs up or thumbs down on it? Um, I'll give it a thumbs up just because I, I was able to get what they were doing, but I can understand why no other people feel differently. Yeah, I've had no interest in Tim and Eric. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> they, are, they are the most acquired taste probably in, in modern comedy, I would say. Yeah, probably. I watched Remember the Titans from, I guess it's a late 90s movie, an early 2000s movie? It might have been 2000 or 99. Something I can't like remember. that? Yeah. It's pretty good. I liked mm-hmm. it. It's yes. kind of a typical sports drama, but uh, right. you know those are good. I like them. <laughs> so if, if when it follows a formula and it's good, it's still good. Yep, good performances in it. I yeah. mean, it's a good subject matter. So good Denzel, cast. Denzel's definitely nailing it. I mean, he's always nailing. He's it, He's always on. That's man, why. So he's the great. He's one of the greatest. Yep. So that's why he was nominated for an Oscar this year, man. Yes, he was that's great. Right. Uh, so remember the Titans. Everyone should watch that one. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. So, we want to know what you out there have been watching. Also, this is a new thing we're going to start doing. We want the fans out there Mm -hmm. to tell us what you've been watching. So, email us, dudesonmovies at gmail.com, or go to our Facebook page. Just look for Dudes on Movies, and let us know what you've been watching. Yes, tell us the movies you like, and and that's all we want to know. Yeah, we might, if we get people writing in, we'll say, you know... Tim and Eric have been watching this, or whatever, you know, whoever <laughs> yes. writes in, Denzel has been watching this. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, that would be something. Denzel in Ohio has been, or where's that movie take place? Alabama? I, don't uh, I can't remember what <laughs> state it's in. Uh, yeah, I, it's been a Georgia. long time. It was Georgia. I don't know, I'm guessing. <laughs> anyway, let None us, of know. us know. If you've been watching this movie, tell us so we can know where it was. Please correct yeah, us yeah, on our Remember the Titans knowledge, yes. Yeah, so let us know what you've been watching. And now we'll tell you about what we've been watching, which is Crumb. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave, why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay, uh, so this was a documentary uh, by director Terry Zweigoff from 1994. It was about the artist Robert Crumb. He was a cartoonist who came to prominence in the 60s, like during the counterculture in San Francisco. And what he traffics in is the underground comics. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's like a lot of social criticism, you know, very satirical. And his main subject matter is just American society. And mm-hmm. he is very famous for his take on just the culture in general. Yeah. And like the, the documentary deals with that, but it also deals with his family life, um, especially with his family life. And yeah. uh, and, and it's, it gets very personal and we will get into it. It is extremely personal. Yeah. Which I loved about it. Yep. Uh, you see his brothers and his wife and his ex-wife and even his kids. Mm-hmm. You see all this, and it's amazing to see how this man was formed into who he is. Yeah. And maybe how he's forming future generations right. and things like that. Uh, yeah, this is a, a fantastic documentary, Dave. Awesome. It is one yeah. of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Oh, I'm so so happy to hear that. As far as subject matter goes, it's endlessly interesting. <laughs> yeah. And technically speaking, it's... One of the most well-produced, put-together films I've ever seen. <laughs> as far as, like, you know, chronology I and know. structure yeah. and storytelling of a non-fiction subject. That's that's something. Think of the editing process. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many hours of footage did, 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 did Terry Zweigoff shoot? And for him to craft it this well and tell this, like, this much of a compelling story in a documentary format... You said it's one of the best documentaries of all time. It certainly is one of the best films of its own decade. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I, I can only think of a few movies that can even come compare to, like, how well-crafted it is. And its subject matter is just this one guy who every audience member is going to have their own feelings about. 
Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's quite a character. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Not everyone likes him. No, that's for sure. Um, I guess we'll talk a little about him. Do you know a lot about him? Personal, um, like, did yeah. you like get into his art ever? Or yes, like... I've I've I bought his like his collected works. Uh-huh. Um, I did a presentation on him in college. Oh wow! Um, I was very much into Robert. Crumb. Was this the same college Denzel was at? Yes. Um, oh wait, that was a high school. Sorry, <laughs> oh, never mind. God. Yeah, it, yeah. Denzel was the football coach, and <laughs> right, and, and he loved my performance. Now, I, I, but my my uh, the presentation I gave my classmates were really into it. I I really had the audience. Um, you know, into what I was doing, I got a B on the uh, presentation. Unfortunately, well, that sucks. Yes, uh, because I went over time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was supposed to be fifteen minutes. I went it up like thirty-six minutes. Oh, and, dude. Because I just lost track of everything. Because I was just talking about Robert it's Crumb. Like Terry you know? Zwigoff did the same thing, I, man. I know. I know he has tons of unused footage. Absolutely, and he's also a close personal, like, longtime friend of Robert Crumb. Yeah. And like, so the only way that, that Robert would ever give anyone like this access to his life would have had to have been somebody who knew him intimately. Right. Cause he, he has no patience for anything to do with like anything he thinks is ungenuine. Yeah, you know? exactly. Even though he's a bastard quite a bit, he's mm-hmm. also like highly principled selling out is just out of the question for him. He doesn't even entertain it. Um, so if Terry's Wygoff had never been born, we wouldn't have this movie because no one, no other filmmaker is going to have this kind of, uh, Robert Crumb would mm-hmm. never have been the subject of anything. Right. And I really appreciate what Zweigoff did by, he approaches all sides of the argument. Yes, he does. Of, like towards Crumb, the way people view him. Right. Whether he's good or bad, whether his art's good or bad. Yes. Whether his morals are good or bad. Like you see the full <laughs> spectrum. I know. And being a close friend to someone, you don't want to shed bad light on them sure so it's really tough to do this like if they're as good of friends as they are right that's pretty daring to i mean you can ruin your friendship making film like this you, you definitely could and it shows that that he i mean he, he must have like like trusted his friendship with robert like mm-hmm. just completely i mean like okay i'm gonna tell the real story and when you said it, it shows both sides i mean like the, the the really great part of showing both sides is that the critics of Robert Crumb in this movie aren't idiots. No. Like Deidre English is is like so well spoken and so eloquent in what she's in her criticisms mm-hmm. of Crumb's work. And Trina Robbins too. Um Trina Robbins is a cartoonist. Deidre English is like a, a, a magazine editor and she's a she's a you know, a, uh-huh. an acclaimed, you know, just someone in the world of letters and arts. And like they're 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 talking very passionately about why they don't care for what Robert Crumb is doing, and Terry's Wygoff just lets it happen. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what Crumb is doing here. Okay. He's, like you've already said, he's making social commentary. Yes. And satire. And a lot of it is very kind of demented almost. Oh, yeah. A a distorted reality world and even pornographic. Um, Oftentimes, yes. Yeah, it's disturbing sometimes. Yeah. Some of this stuff's not that bad. I know. But then a Mm -hmm. a lot of it is pretty far gone stuff that... (laughs) No one else was doing at the time. No. Um, this is stuff you wouldn't... I, I mean, looking at his art, there's just this uneasiness to all of it. Even the just the way he draws these characters, mm-hmm. even the ones that aren't doing something depraved or, <laughs> or morally reprehensible. Like, yes. It's still the way it looks kind of like, wow, that's like a little fucked up. <laughs> you know, like there's something weird about it. Like Like exaggerated sizes of hands or and stuff like that. Right. Right. So, I mean, his art is something that's touchy. <laughs> it's a touchy <laughs> subject. No doubt. Yeah. And if you reject it completely and you have intelligent reasons for doing so, I completely understand where someone's coming from mm-hmm. because this is just not for everybody. And even he, like Crumb himself, acknowledges that. Um, he, he's he's talking to uh, that journalist uh, Peggy Orenstein uh-huh. in the cafe. And she she confides in him that, that, you know, when she was a kid, her brother collected uh, Zap comics. And and when she was like nine years old, she saw one of one of Crumb's, you know, like dirtier or, you know, more uh, disturbing works. And he just tells her, look, maybe I should have my pens taken away. You know, maybe I should be locked up and I shouldn't be allowed Mm -hmm. to to express myself this way. But as long as I can, I have to do it. Right, he's he some somehow like forces his way its way out of his brain yes. through the pen. He, right, he says like a lot of artists say things like mm-hmm. that. It's just they don't even. He even says he's not thinking about it yeah. while he's doing it, or he can't he's work not in terms of conscious messages. Yeah, he can't think about what it means. He right. just has to draw it. 
and it, so it gets out. And it's it's like compulsive behavior now in in, in some mm-hmm. ways. He, he's he's just constantly to, drawing. Every scene in the movie where you see him, I mean, almost he he's got a sketchbook going. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got sketchbooks going back to the sixties. <laughs> oh my god! Like he's had a sketchbook with him yeah. since he was probably eight. Maybe younger. Yes. Whenever Charles first forced him to start drawing, yeah, mm-hmm. it's that that it started real early in life. Yeah, and back to the moral responsibility of mm-hmm. his work. Yeah, she even asked him like, "Well, do you ever think about what kind of impact this might have on someone as young as I was when yes. I saw it? Like, what would young boys be thinking of this? Like, because these drawings are pretty bad. I know. And there's a lot of views that he is." Uh, very mean to women. Right, misogynistic. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so um, what kind of effect is this having on the youth? Yeah. And he basically is like, yeah, I'm, I'm aware that of that, but he, he brings it up. He's like, I was watching Goodfellas the other day with <laughs> yes. my daughter, and there was a violent part of the film, and I turned it off because it disturbed her, and I made her, she can't watch it. And he's yeah. like, you know, maybe we just got to protect our kids from this kind of stuff. Which I think that's a, that's amazing that he's he's thinking like that. Perfectly acceptable yeah. answer. Yeah. It's true. Like that's what you got to do. You know, make yep. sure your kids aren't getting your your hands on arcade comics. Exactly. He's I mean, very... it, you you can't always do it, right? But you've got to try to do it. As long as you're in a position to do so, then you should. And yeah, he makes it like in that in that speech about you know his daughter and Goodfellas. He's very he's being very like sympathetic toward Peggy, you know, and what she went through in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. And he just like says, you know. You have to protect kids because they don't understand the real world yet. And, and you know, he's definitely right. And the only way to, I guess, make sure that perverted sexuality is not validated for young boys is they're not allowed to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, they can't read Yarrow Stocks and Zap and, and, and Arcade but, but before they're of an age that they can process it and understand it. Right. And it also brings up, like, even if you're protecting your kids from it, should it even be there? For them right. to get their hands on. Does, you should know? it even exist? Yeah. I mean, and he even talks about like how, like you said, he mm-hmm. as long as he's allowed to do it, he's got to do it. Yeah. Like he needs to express himself because th- his whole family has kind of got a lot of mental problems. Very much and, so. And mm-hmm. he probably least of all has mental problems, but <laughs> he pours it out onto a, a piece of paper with ink. He has a, th- a therapeutic tool. Yeah. I mean, like he has his art. Yeah. And he, he brings up, you know, as long as he can, he's going to do it. He, he compares himself, I don't know if he compares himself or someone else does, but like Shakespeare had, you know, some terrible things that oh, yeah. uh, uh, society hated. To, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, some Nazi artists, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just because they were Nazis, does that mean their art is right. something that shouldn't be in existence? Right. A lot of moral quandaries in this film, which is what's <laughs> so great about it. I know. I love it. I'll say again, I'm really glad to hear that because mm-hmm. like I have always loved this movie. When I, when I first saw it, I mean, I... I I just couldn't believe like how much I liked it when I saw it. Yeah. I thought oh, this is an interesting subject, but like I can't believe how that I watched it again the next night. I mean, right. I, and I was excited to do it. Yeah. Like I I just couldn't wait to get back there again. Mhm. And I feel that way both about Robert Crumb and I even feel that way if if Terry Swigoff had made a, a documentary about the other crumbs that was feature length. Yeah. It might not be quite as um th- we wouldn't be able to talk about art the way we are. But it certainly would be just as fascinating because, like, yeah. when you mentioned Robert being the one guy in the family, the one person in the family who might not be as, um, like, disabled as the rest of them, mm-hmm. I mean, like, these people are, the, the mental illness is, is just, it's, it's, it's a dominant gene in this line. Yeah. You know, everybody's got something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, tragically so. I mean, like Max and Charles, the the, the two brothers that we meet, and then um, his mother, mm-hmm. um, like are when when Charles like like looks at his mother and says, "We're two recluses living in the same house." I've very rarely heard such a tragic statement because he he's he's trying to be funny, but he also is admitting what like look at what our lives have come to. Yeah. Um. Even though they have these problems, they can they see reality. Like how it is completely, yeah, and they've accepted it, mm-hmm. and I mean they just they're they're so intelligent actually. They are all of all these of, people, every one of them. I know they're more intelligent than me. Like these, <laughs> com- <laughs> they're very well spoken. <laughs> they are and form high concept ideas. Yes, 
but I, maybe their their bodies can't handle their minds or something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Like their system just can't like like handle this much intelligence. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I honestly, I feel bad for them. I do because too. Yeah. no one should have to be in these conditions, man. Right. I mean, that's so sad and tragic. Right. And especially people who are as talented as these people, you don't want to see them how they're living. I know. You want to see them excel. Right. Like Robert did. Um, you know, it sucks. Like, yes. Charlie even said he like has some kind of resentment for Robert or something yes. like that. Yes. And Charles is an extraordinary man in many ways. When we see him in the film, he has not left his boyhood home since like age 20. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, in his mid fifties when we see him being filmed. Um, he hasn't had a job. He, he, he just, he's tried to commit suicide, you know, yeah. multiple times. He's on tranquilizers <clears throat> yeah, constantly. Completely under like just, you know, Tons of medication, um, and he just lives there with his mother. And he he says he t- takes a bath once in six weeks. He has no interest in like you know. And there's like blankets all over all the the, the yeah. The house is a, a really dirty, yes. dusty, brown tinged. Right. Everything looks filthy, and the windows are covered with thick blankets, so yep. no light comes in. It's oh yeah, it's pretty gross. He's just sitting like. With his legs crossed on like a bare mattress that doesn't even have a, a fitted sheet on it, mm-hmm. and there's this this stack of of literature behind him. Um, oh that, yeah, man. You know, there's like there must be a thousand books stacked yes. up in this corner. Yes, because that's all he does with his time is just is just read. And I mean, we we know why he's quite why he's this intelligent is because you know his conduit to the outside world is the written word, and unfortunately, he doesn't use it he he has no he has no ability to use it in everyday life i mean i and I, I learned this this wasn't in the movie but it was it was something i i'd found out the day that they shot him terry's Wygoff found out that treasure island was playing at a theater that was two blocks away okay and robert and terry's Wygoff pleaded with charles for two hours you know come out with us come out and see yeah. and you know and they could not get him to leave the house and see his favorite movie Oh, it's, that sucks. It, it is it, like, and he he wasn't like he he was just scared. He he could not go through that door. That's a big thing in the movie too. The Treasure Island thing you learn yes. out is kind of uh, Charles was obsessed with it as a kid and kind of spawned all their comic book making as kids. That's right. You find out at the end, kind of Robert's talking about it, and it's because um, Charles was fascinated with the boy who's in the movie. He had like a, a gay yep. crush on him. That's right. Bobby Driscoll. And, yeah, Bobby Driscoll, the boy from Treasure Island, <laughs> man. Um, and that's that's what his obsession was about. Yeah. Bobby Driscoll, man. It's <laughs> and and like, I mean, it's it's so weird that like that that uh, it's well, I shouldn't say weird. It's it's a cool thing that that Robert discovers this, mm-hmm. um, and that it completely like it doesn't change his his um, his perception of his brother. It, it changes his perception of his of his art. Right. He starts to notice things in the comics that Charles was drawing about, like, how did I not see this all along? Yeah. You know, how was I totally in the dark about this? And, man, for a a young artist, I mean, presumably they were, like, 12 and 10 when this was going on. Think about, like, a 12-year-old artist who is exhibiting subtlety in their art. Yeah. I mean... That's advanced stuff. It's so mm-hmm. absolutely rare for anyone to have that kind of prodigious talent. And it's there. And, and, and they actually show it to you. You know, throughout the whole movie, you're, you're seeing like almost like a Ken Burns thing, close-ups of this art. Yeah. Both Charles's <laughs> and Robert's and, um, and Maxon's. Yeah, you see a lot of it in the movie. Yeah. You see montage of it. You see the characters presenting it to the camera. Yes. You, you see critics talking about it. Uh-huh. It's, it's all over. It's prevalent in right, the film, right. which is important because you need to see what it looks like. Yes, you to have to understand. Right. Yep, they treat it as as though like the, the you're not gonna under, you're not gonna know this subject, so we're gonna just show you their whole world. Right, and you get a man like you get you get inside of their heads yeah, by seeing their art. That's right. If they didn't have this, you I mean you could get a sense of this person, mm-hmm. but by having this expression that these characters have put out there for you to visualize mm-hmm. uh, what was in their brain. Like you get, you really understand these people. I know. And that's, it's kind of scary actually. You yes. think that this is what's in your head, man. <laughs> right. Some of this stuff's messed up. I'm not going to lie, Dave. I'm not a huge fan of the art. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, dude, and that's understandable. It's, yeah. It's a yeah. little much for me. Right. Um, but um, 
I'm not gonna say you can't make it, but exactly. yeah, dude, that, that, that that's that's the attitude to take. Uh, but the film though, whew, man, this is something. Yeah, it is, and like the the another another great creative uh like part of Robert's world is, well, his son Jesse, yeah, um, from his first marriage is also an artist. Mm-hmm. And his wife at the time of the filming, and uh, and still current wife Aileen, is also a comics artist. Yeah, Sophie went on to become an artist. Oh, really? His daughter? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, some of her work is in Terry Zwigoff's later films. Um, oh, wow! This talent just can't be contained. Apparently, it's it's, it's got to come out of everybody who is a you know in the crime right. line. And like like I I think that the only way he could he could probably sustain a marriage is to be married to a fellow artist because right. who else is going to understand and be able to live with Robert Crumb? Right. Yeah. And and her art style is similar to his. It is. She has the same kind of yes, uh, that psychedelic yeah. kind of yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about his kids actually for a little bit. Okay. They're not a huge part of the film, right. but they're in it. And I hate to say they're used, but like uh-huh. as a film technique, they're used to like really drive points home yeah. about Crumb's character. They don't tell you he has children mm-hmm. until over halfway through the film. <laughs> right. After you know every little thing that this man thinks about. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then You're you right. find out he has like a nine-year-old daughter. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is disgusting. <laughs> Because you think, this man, how is he able to raise a kid? A little girl. Yeah, a little girl. And I don't know if I was just reading into it, but like, well, the scene before you find out about his girl, he's talking with one of his ex-girlfriends on a rooftop and going over Mm -hmm. art and all this stuff. And he's kind of like flirting with her a little too hard. Oh, yeah. Uh And like touching her a little too much. Yes. And I was just waiting for him to kiss her. (laughs) Without her even expecting it. Yes. He doesn't. But he keeps touching her and it's showing his hand close up, like touching her and caressing her. It's so awkwardly weird. <laughs> um, And then it, you find out he has a daughter and it cuts to him like she's sitting on his lap. And you're like, this uh-huh. little kid shouldn't be near this man. <laughs> this guy's just caressing this woman against her own will. She I doesn't know. want... You can tell he, she's not too comfortable with him. No, she, she doesn't want that in, his, yeah. in her life anymore. So it's just, oh, it was like, wow. <laughs> it hit me with, it hit me like a bat, dude, I know. a baseball bat. I know. And he, and before you, like, like in that scene, when he, he actually, what, what, what leads to the scene with Sophie playing Game Boy on his lap. Yeah. She's playing Tetris, I think, yes. on Game Boy. It's, it's a, it's a 1991 Game Boy. <laughs> and, uh, I had the brick. Of course. Yep. Yeah. The, the big white one. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, naturally. He tells her, he tells his ex-girlfriend Kathy that he's never been in love. He's never, he's never been jealous. Yeah. He, um, she says, well, look, I have a lot of letters that, you know, where, where you, you were saying you love me. And he goes, well, I was just abusing the word. Yeah. And, you know, like I can tell, you can tell that she's really hurt by these statements, mm-hmm. but she's also, she's also a very funny person. And be, because she's the type of girl that Robert would have liked. I mean, she, she was very intelligent, very well-spoken. So she's going to play it off. Like it's okay. Well, we're just being nihilistic, you know? Um, San Francisco folk here, um, but I you you can tell like there, there's a there's a moment where where Terry's Wygoff puts the camera on her face and it's starting to contort a little bit even behind her sunglasses uh-huh. you can tell wow what did I ever see in this asshole yeah and she even expresses that to him like, she does like well, you don't even remember why we broke up right like, stuff right. like that like geez mm-hmm. why did I like this guy and to his credit he like understands it and like takes it he he doesn't like fully own up to it right um but he's just um i guess he understands why why women would not want to you know be with him because I, of these things i like that about his character he he seems to have a lot of empathy towards people I know. like he can tell what they're feeling and he doesn't judge them for it. Mm-hmm. Even when he's being criticized personally, yeah. he still just takes it and kind of is just able to talk about it in a civilized way. He does not fight back. Um, no. Even if he is kind of objecting to what's being said, he's sure. well-spoken about it and he doesn't get mean or violent or anything. Nope. So, um, I, I love that about. It. I wish I could be a little more like that. Actually, it it takes like such self awareness and and such comfort with your own self. I mean, like mm-hmm. and 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 a guy like him who grew up the way he did almost has like like no business being this well adjusted. Yeah, actually, you know? he had a rough childhood. I mean, yeah, his, his father was abusive to right. to all the boys. Right, and who knows what happened to the daughters? Uh, who exactly? <sighs> 
I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and another great choice. Um, at the end of the film, it says the sisters declined f- to be interviewed for the film. Yes. They're hardly mentioned in the film. Right. Uh, but by that's the final thing you see in this movie. Mm-hmm. His, his sisters declined, and I'm right. like, wow. I wonder what their story is. I I know one of their stories. Yeah. Um, Terry's Wygoff is like friendly with I think Carol. Uh huh. And she wants nothing to do with Robert. Yeah. And she wants nothing to do with the family. Um, she is in a uh, a domestic partnership with with another woman, uh-huh. and they have a son. And I like like Terry is the only like man allowed in their home, pretty much. Wow. Um, I'd imagine. Yeah. Because, I mean, Maxon, Charles, and Robert couldn't have been easy to grow up with. I know. I mean... <laughs> no way. <laughs> and then their father on top of that. Yeah. Like, just this this kind of, like, brooding asshole. And then their mother, who who is, like, just pilled up. Yeah. And, like, I mean, she, she, she's a really funny old lady when we meet her. But, I mean, you know, the, the stories about her scratching the dad's face until it bled, uh, where he yep. had to put on makeup before he went to work... Um, it clearly affected all of them, and it affected the the daughters obviously so much that they don't even want to like speak of it anymore. Uh-huh. Like not only the art in this film, but the mm-hmm. the subject of this mental health yes. of everybody, yes, is just as compelling. I know. I can't even stress it enough. Like right. this film, I mean, it, it's so deep what's in here and right. what it makes you think about and right. feel. Like who would think? All right, let's follow this guy around for a while and see what happens. And yeah. I mean, obviously, he's a family friend, so he knows kind of what he might be trying to do with this. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, dude, like, how do you strike gold like this? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. put it together <laughs> like this. I guess the way to achieve that is to do what, like he did, which is to just let, let's let's turn on the camera, and I'm going to ask a couple questions, and then I'm going to let Robert and everybody else just, just go. Right, yeah, he knows. Once they open their mouths, they're yeah. just going to keep going <laughs> with stuff. Right. And and whatever you capture that day, I'm I'm sure that that the 150 hours of footage was all gold. Yeah, I mean I bet. They, they they could have released the the a week long version of Crumb, and you and I would probably find it just as fascinating as this one. Yeah, I picked up the Criterion version from the library, okay. the DVD, and yeah. it, I didn't watch it, but there's an extra 50 minutes of footage on that thing that you can as a supplement wow. that you could check out. Jeez, I was like man. man, I bet that's just as good as the rest of this stuff. I can't believe I've never seen it because I and I've got to get my hands on it because it's that sounds awesome. And I, do you know how long they filmed this? I know it was years. It was a better part of a decade almost. It was six years. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So you get six years of footage, Mm -hmm. and and that's a lot of hours. So (laughs) you get get East Coast and West Coast stuff. Yeah, that's right. You get all kinds of different people talking and somehow seamlessly put together this narrative that is just flawless. The filmmaking is incredible. He... Terry Zweigoff should have been nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. Yeah. Well, did this get a, a documentary nomination? Uh, I, I would have to check on that. I can't believe, again, I can't believe I don't know uh, because whatever. it's an awesome movie, but there, there are not many directors who did a better job than he did with this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is masterful filmmaking, no matter if it's documentary or, or, or fiction. Right. There's nothing like it, trust me. I mean, and, and even if you hate the subject matter, you're like, you're still going to love this movie mm-hmm. because it's so, it's so fascinating. And there's so much, there, there, there's so much other than the main subject to, to enjoy too. I mean, there's the family and there's the art and, and there's the, the art critics, both positive and negative. Uh-huh. Everything is here for you. Um, and could we talk about like just Charles's like the, the, but we, we already, we already discussed the, the Bobby Driscoll stuff in Charles's art. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what we come to find out is that what really drove Charles over the edge after like when they were doing the comics together, Charles and Robert, when they were kids, um, was that he stopped, like you, you can kind of, you can follow where his mental illness is taking him from just reading his comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you start to see that like text starts to, to appear a lot um, of text. Yes. Like the, in, in the panels, you see like, like two rabbits talking to each other and gradually the thought bubbles are just getting bigger and bigger till they almost dominate each panel. Yeah, they're taking up the whole frame. Yes, man. right. Until like the Robert starts turning the pages when he's showing it to you, and then it's like you know those John Doe yeah. composition books in seven. Yep, that's literally what that's it what is. I thought of when I saw this. Yes, and people listening, this is he's got you know a notepad here from mm-hmm. where they would do their comics. And Robert is just flipping. He flips about two pages, and you see it just transform. Ugh. 
And I don't know how long it takes you to draw that kind of stuff, but I'd imagine several hours to yes. do that much drawing it's when you have talent like that. Right. I mean, it, right. it's quicker then when you're talented, but um, <laughs> just how quickly that transformed. I know. From visual to just scribbling. And, and when it becomes scribbling, it's... It's so measured and like like almost mathematical scribbling. I mean, he he's drawing he he's drawing inscrutable handwriting, mm-hmm. like just page after page. Uh, Robert calls it the compulsive graphomania. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and like you you get it like just looking at these at the at him turn pages of, of of these notebooks. I mean, like you get a glimpse of what Charles is mental state is i mean like like how troubled do you have to be to just fill a, a stack of composition books with nothing craziness it, you can see it in his face that yeah that he's not there right i mean something right. has broken in him yeah which sucks it's sad it really this, is the whole family is sad to see even mm-hmm. robert like i know even though he's found this kind of success on this art you see who he is and you're like man like mm-hmm. most artists aren't just like a normal person in yeah. society you know Most there's always artists, right? eccentric or yeah. or something like that which he is you mentioned sadness um there's a moment of sadness for robert okay it's it's when he's they're sitting in charles's room mm-hmm. and he's explaining about like when his uh when his dad first saw his comics yes 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 um yes. he he's he's telling the story and he said that that after he after his dad saw the comics he just stopped talking to him and he does his normal you know, after everything he says, he usually punctuates it with a laugh. Yeah, he does. It's it. like an uncomfortable laugh. Yes, like every word, he, every sentence he says, exactly has some kind of uncomfortable just, laughter just to it. One of his like ticks that he has. Uh-huh. He does it here, and then like Terry's Wygoff keeps the keeps the camera on him, and he's just shaking his head, and his his just like Burt Lancaster in Sweet Smell of Success, <laughs> his mouth like actually turns into a frown. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell that like he's just reliving what happened here. He obviously was really hurt by this, yeah. and he didn't know how to handle it, and he still carries it with him. Right, because his father, as, as big of an asshole as he is, man, right. he's a huge asshole, mm-hmm. had given some props to Robert yeah. once he heard, hey, he's successful with this art. He's wow. becoming well-known. That's yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of respect you now. Right. And as soon as he saw what Robert was drawing, hasn't talked to him since. Yep. That's Bullshit, man. <laughs> Completely. I know. I know. Imagine doing that to your to your child. I, I, when's the last time they saw him? I mean, how long has... Where is the dad? Uh, he's... Uh, I think he passed away in 82. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he he's, was... I guess he was around. Right. So, yeah, yeah. He was probably living there with Charles and, and Mom. Oh, yeah. He was there. Like, yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Yep. Um, Did you know that Max still lives in San Francisco in that same filthy hovel i did not know that yes um at the end of the documentary it says he lives there but that yep. is 1994 right so, he wow. is still in that room holy crap and he goes out with his beggar bowl every day and his bed of nails and all that kind of thing he's still he, doing that he's still doing that except he has tons of money because his art sells for thousands of dollars at san francisco galleries man but he doesn't know any other life to live yeah just like know. charles just he, like robert the, the mental disability that they have just right. forces them to do these things. Right. Robert draws giant dicks and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Max goes and sits on nails in the street. And he swallows that cord of yep. string. That's right. And he says it takes three days to pass through him entirely. <laughs> I'm wondering how he does this, actually. Okay. let's. Uh, see, I guess we got to go here now that That's I brought fine. it up. Yeah, but, yeah good. So... He has a long, it's like a 12-foot cord of rope. Yeah, like a piece of gauze. Yeah, it's yeah, like gauze. Uh-huh. And he, he puts it in his mouth, and I guess he just slowly swallows the thing. Yep. And it processes through his system, and he eventually gets the whole thing through his body. Yeah. Um, so it's probably hanging out both sides? Presumably, yes. Ooh. And what the... You, you know, the, the, the worst part of it, and, and it would probably only happen on your 12-3 watching... Is when you see Max have that thing in his mouth, and he's like taking sips of water periodically, I guess to to like you know to, speed it to along. To get it going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gauze is hanging out of his mouth, like out of the corner of his mouth, and it's kind of brown. Oh yeah, you know it's recycled. Good God! Yeah. he's not even laundering this thing. He must be washing it or oh, something. I at hope least to God he is, because I mean you can't put a a poop rag in your mouth and, and just keep like oh. God damn it, Max. <laughs> I think know? that's a Robert Crumb cartoon, actually. <laughs> <That's> exactly. 
Tommy Toilet series. It's, it's oh, the poop gods. Jeez. Oh, yeah, I don't want to see that comic. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. dude. Um, and can we talk about like my my absolute favorite artistic moment of the movie? No. Yeah, we can, Dave. <laughs> thanks, <Sorry>. thanks, Scott. <laughs> you have permission. All right. Um, it's when um, he's sitting there with Jesse. Sorry, I've always wanted to do that because you, you say that a lot. Can we talk about this? Yeah, because no. I, I know whenever we, we, we like talked about like if you yeah. ask me, that's yeah. your thing. I say, can we talk about this? Right. Like Joan Rivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, can we talk about um, the, my favorite artistic moment of the movie? Okay. Um, it's when Jesse and Robert are together and they, they, they show Jesse's art and what he's been up to. Jesse's his son. Yes. He's um, his son from his first marriage. And Robert and Jesse are drawing the same picture. Um, it's one of these like old books that Robert has in his, in his study of like women from a, uh, an asylum in 1800s England. Yeah. They're both drawing, like, just from this photo. And when you look at Jesse's drawing, you're looking at it going, wow, he really captured this photograph, you know, incredibly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, so, it's so just, like, um, impressive, and, and the woman is so proud in, in, in his picture. Mm-hmm. Then you look at Robert's drawing, and it doesn't look exactly like the photograph, and yet, because of the way he, and it's almost a more cartoony than what Jesse has done, mm-hmm. but there's something about those parted lips and the way her head is tilted that, like, it makes his drawing superior to Jesse's in some ways. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they get into it, and it's one of the richest parts of the movie, if you're just, like, thinking about art in general, is right. the conversation between Jesse and Robert when it comes to this drawing. Yeah. Like, really cool stuff. Like what makes something good or right. better than something else. Yep. I mean, you are kind of opposed to art being criticized against other art. You know what yes. I mean? Yes, right. But right. Um, when you're doing this kind of exercise and looking at these two different like drawings of the same thing, like mm-hmm. for some reason, something inside of you tells you this one's the superior one. Exactly. I, you can't you explain why. why. And, right. and Robert is trying to explain to him like, the secret is right there in the picture. Like yes. that's where it tells you about this woman. Like, uh-huh. and you need to exaggerate right there a little bit, maybe so that it's shown and you can see it. Like, I don't know. You can copy it exactly, but it won't <laughs> be the same, which is what Jesse does. Yeah. He, he copies it exactly. And you're like, wow, that looks just like the photograph, but there's something else that Robert doesn't have to copy it exactly because he's able to perceive this, this situation. He's able to like look into her soul. almost. Yeah. Like he can pull out that emotion. Yeah. From that picture, man, and put it back onto a different page. It's deep shit, man. I, I pretty I, cool. Wow, it's one of the, it's such a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one thing I wanted to. It's from that art guy, uh-huh. the art critic who's discussing Crumb, Robert Hughes. Robert Hughes. Yeah, I quoted what he said here because it was really like it really sums up his art. Mm-hmm. He says it's it's lusting, suffering, crazed humanity. <laughs> In all kinds of bizarre gargoyle-like allegorical forms, (laughs) he has an imagination that goes over people's heads, but it's it rarely lies. Ah, yes. Which I think is a great quote because it tells you what his art is. It's bizarre, uh huh, and off-putting, right? But it also has hidden meanings, and not everybody gets it. It's yeah. Like I, I can see the meanings. I just am not. I don't care to look at it too much. So. Um, but yeah, that's what art does, man. That is great art when it has all this stuff in, not, doesn't have to be disgusting. Right. Just the, the hidden allegories, mm-hmm. uh, the, that makes you feel things. It, th- this art makes lots of people feel disgusted. I mean, of course that's the emotion it gets, the response it gets from people. Yeah. But it's still saying something. That's right. Even this stuff that does go a, over the line, I would say. Yes. I don't know how much of it goes over the line because the line is subjective anyway. True. But the stuff that's uh, more pornographic than other stuff. Like, I would say maybe you lost your message there. Maybe you're just doing a little porno stuff right there, <laughs> which is fine if that's what you're trying to do, you know? And in the one in the one scene where he is, um, like, when, when they're showing panels from his, uh, his strip, A Bitch and Bod, um, it's, it's the one where uh, where Flaky Foot is given a headless devil girl um, by Mr. Natural. Yeah. These are three characters that like Crumb has had in his comics for a long time. He gets them. It's a shared Crumb universe yeah. that he has going. Right. 
And, uh, you know, the, the gist of the comic is, is that like, you know, flaky Foont, uh, this kind of like, you know, fifties, uh, leave it to beaver type guy yeah. is, um, is like, he, he's, he's having sex with a headless woman and, uh, her, because, you know, the, the comic is telling us that, that women are obnoxious and, you know, we want to, we want to have fun with their, with their physical form, but we don't right. actually like know them. We don't want their heads messing up everything. Cause they have a, their, their, their brains are just, you know, like we, we can't communicate with it. So, you know, let, let's just, you know, like treat them like blow up dolls. Uh huh. Now, you know, when he first started doing this comic, um, he threw it in the trash because he didn't, he just couldn't handle it. Like it was too much for him to process. Yeah. And then his wife, Aileen, was the one who grabbed it out of the trash and said, you know, you need to finish this. Is this one of his more well-known pieces? Yes. Okay. Um, and, in, you know, and in the movie, like, like it's after he gets done explaining it, which the scene where he's explaining it, it goes on for about five minutes. Yeah, it goes from the start to the end of the comic. You it shows every, every panel. panel. Right. And he's telling the it's story. It's him commentating on it. And it's so real to him. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like he's he's like like kind of getting excited himself telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and they immediately cut to Deidre English and Trina Robbins. And they, they very... Um, everything that he just said and everything that like kind of made you laugh or made you squirm, mm-hmm. they, they just like, they, they, they tear into him in an intellectually honest way mm-hmm. without yeah. raising their voices. They're just saying like what, what, what a woman thinks of this kind of stuff, you know, maybe a woman who isn't married to Robert Crumb and doesn't like have to deal with his id 24 hours right. a day. I would think the majority of women would look at his art and say, you know what? Mm-hmm. You're just... You're sexist. Yeah. You're a misogynist. Right. And uh, this is something that no one should see or no one should put on paper. I know. One of those people said it's part of an arrested juvenile vision <laughs> that he has <laughs> yes. of women. Yes. Um, which, as a child, he goes into what he was into and stuff. Like, he would sneak in. He would hump his mom's boots and, and, and ride on people's backs and like that's all in the comics and like that's what he does <laughs> he reveals all of this yeah. about himself yeah mm-hmm. in his work so like the comics it it is him like yes so and, and we yeah. see him riding the backs of women in real life yeah um <laughs> like like he, he a lot he, of them he clearly messes around on his wife quite a bit mm-hmm. um and you know she tolerates it because she says she messes around with other men yeah which is i guess they have an understanding that's fine they have some kind of open relationship yeah. so there you go it works for them mm-hmm um, and even though he is a real bastard about women, both how he like views them and, you know, in the case of Kathy, how he treated her, um, a lot of the women in the movie who aren't like there to be his just obvious critics are like his first wife, Dana mm-hmm. talks about him very fondly. Yeah. Um, it's Jesse's mom. And like, she shows that, that, that book that he wrote, well, I guess, right where, before they were married. Right. Um, it's this long, you know, like, like comic, comic book about like, like creation. And his Eve figure is like a, um, like a, a large young girl, mm-hmm. you know, and she, she's reading it. And she said that when she first read it, she, she was so touched by this because like, like that's what she looked like when she was that age. Mm-hmm. And she thought it was just a really romantic vision of, of humanity. And it made her fall in love with him. Yeah, he didn't always draw these kind of perverse things. Right. So, I mean, right. I think he got famous without that. Yes. And then dis- it just came out one day. Yep. And uh, <laughs> everything <laughs> kind of changed for him. Yes. So, for the better or for the worse. Who, who knows? Depending on your perspective, right. Um, I guess one last thing I wanted to talk about is his, like, you know, just opposition towards commercialism. Like, you yeah. already said he doesn't... He's not selling out, man. No. He's not going to sell out, like... He had been offered to do like the Rolling Stones album covers and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and he turned that all down. He was going to go on Saturday Night Live, and yes. he turned that down. Yes, because that's just being part of the system. Like, <laughs> no one wants to do that. But well, everyone, most people, would love to do that stuff. But I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, but Bill Griffiths, one of the other artists, uh, it's either him or Spain Rodriguez, says like, you know, like it's amazing when when everyone in America's ambition is selling out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, and there's a great sequence, like a scene of him going to what is it, Hate Street or yeah. whatever, and he's sitting there, and it, the camera just shows people walking down the street, t-shirt after t-shirt. Oh, just I know, name brand <laughs> product, yeah. Energizer Bunny, camel. Nike, yeah, Camel, 
just walking by and Robert's commenting on this, like walking billboards, you know, walking advertisements. Everybody's my daughter wants a 49ers jacket. Oh, he's like, outraged. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he wants nothing to do with the 49ers. <laughs> so yeah, he is, he is not selling out. Like you said, he's, he's, he has his principles. Yes. And that's one of them. Right. And I, I love when the movers are moving his truck, their house at the end. He he calls them all like dumb jocks who won't respect his jocks. Yeah, he won't respect his record collection. <laughs> it's like that's his view of of the world. Yes. You know? It it's like he's still that wimpy nerd in high of school. Of course. Everybody like all those guys are scutch. Yeah, they're scutch. You know, um, the comic character who was, you know, the greaser jerk who got right. all the girls. Right. Who who tormented his brother Charles. Yeah. And and like it, Okay, I guess if you if you know an artist and and, and or you know an author, um, chances are you're going to end up in their work. Yeah. Uh, so so, you know, mind how you go. Be, yeah. Because you know, I, I if I if I was scutch forty years later and reading these <laughs> comics, <laughs> I mean, good lord. So listeners, beware. Yes. If you know us personally. <laughs> we're coming for you. That's right. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about, Dave? Um, I would like to, um, unfortunately spoil the movie. Um, and I'm just going to warn everybody ahead of time because I just wanted to talk to you about it. Okay. Um, so if, if you don't want devastating news to spoil your viewing experience, please, um, you know, for the next two minutes, just mute us. Okay. Um, when it's revealed, you know, like at the end that, uh, right before the credits come up that Charles committed suicide the year after he was filmed. Mm -hmm. Um, we were already kind of like sympathetic to him and we were entertained by his wit and his mm-hmm. intelligence. And, you know, he had my favorite quote in the movie, which was, he was talking about like the connection between narcissism and homicidal tendencies. Yeah. He was talking about how like he, um, he, he used to want to go downstairs and, and get an ax and bash Robert's skull in with it when they were kids. And he's mm-hmm. laughing about this. And so is Robert. Yeah. Um, and he talks about how that he was, he was feeling this way because of narcissism and Terry's Wygoff asked that question. What is that connection? And he says, when narcissism is wounded, it has to strike back at the person who wounded it. And Robert asks him, did I wound your narcissism? He says many, many times, Jack, yep. many, many times. Mm-hmm. And he starts laughing maniacally. And so does Robert, mm-hmm. but it's serious. Yeah. Like, like it wasn't just his run-ins with scutch. That has turned, or his dad, or anybody else in the world is turning this way. When you have like slept in the same bed with your brothers mm-hmm. since age three up through high school, I mean, uh, like, like how how are any of them coming out of this on the other side, sane and alive? Right. Yeah, that I agree. I yeah, totally. Right. It's not just their fault. It's 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 the whole family. I know. I mean, everything that happened to this man was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And when they say Robert had killed himself and we already know he has attempted several times. Charles, right. Charles, uh-huh. excuse me. Yeah. It, it's devastating to see that on I the know. screen. You I think, know. Oh, come on, dude. This guy, <laughs> I just saw this guy. I know. Like, I know. A year after he was filmed and knowing that he spent six years filming this, he could have killed himself halfway through filming. I You're mean, right. who knows? That's true. Something like that in a movie where you find out one of the principal characters in the, the movie have been killed. Yes. Or killed themselves. Like, that's nothing brand new. But right. the way this movie uses it is extremely effective. I, mean, I, I can't praise the... I keep praising this film for <laughs> how it's made. The, the structure of it, like, yeah. like it, it's so perfect. And, and it's such a tasteful tribute to him. Right, just yeah. Just with that, that, that one statement. I mean, like, he's fixing a curtain in the as his mother is, like, is like you know, complaining about the film crew being in Right, because the they needed more light to come in to shoot. Right. So, like, they yes. had to up the curtain that hasn't been moved in probably oh 15 God. years. Can you imagine the must on that Since thing? 82. Oh, and there's cats in there. And it's, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's not a good place. And... And it just it just very succinctly sums it up like like Charles committed suicide the year after he was filmed is the statement and I mean I and mean it's, yeah God it's it's gut wrenching it's gut wrenching and it sucks because you you can see it yes like you can be like yeah I see why of course and that's sad come like you don't want him to do that no of but, course yeah. I mean y- 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 and you can't overcome it for a good you know little while mm-hmm. after having seen this movie. Yeah, and then I guess they ended it with the 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 sisters not wanting to comment thing, yes. which is just like God. 
that opens a whole nother can of worms that they're not even going to talk about. And, and and like you said earlier, yeah. I want to see that documentary. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Crumb Sisters and what they have to say. Yep. And I think they made some kind of comic books out of the Crumb family. Yes. After this movie came okay, out for yeah. some reason. Right. I don't know what those were about or <laughs> whose idea that was, but um, I guess the Crumbs were involved in it. Okay. So yeah. I don't. I don't know. But that's something someone else is gonna have to find out because exactly. I don't know. <laughs> and I and I check want... our Facebook. We'll post something about it maybe. Yeah. And and I want I want the entire archive of the Animal Town Comics Club, which was the. Um, oh yeah, the, that the... was their childhood yes. comics. <laughs> Charles was president. Robert was vice president. <laughs> uh, Sandy was the treasurer. Carol was the uh, like uh, the secretary. Sec- yep. And Maxim was the supply boy. <laughs> And he still resents he still them to this day. Like he was supply boy. I'm sure he's there in San Francisco right now, sitting on his nails with his turd rag in his mouth, saying, "They made me the supply boy." Turd rag. No shit, dude. <laughs> so, Dave, would you recommend this movie? Uh, this movie is the um, this is the best film of the 1990s. Ah. Um and. Everyone must see it, regardless of your background, regardless of your interest in art or Robert Crumb. See this movie today. I'm agreeing with Dave. Thank you. Uh, that you need to see this movie. Yeah. This ain't breathless, Dave. <laughs> so. Excellent. Yeah, whether you agree with him or not, or enjoy his artwork or not, this is one of the most honest and most well-constructed films ever made. Yes. Uh, this is a must-see film. And if you're not a documentary fan, you should still watch this. I mm-hmm. mean, this this narrative is so compelling. You've you've got to see it. Right. It's good. So, yeah, recommend very highly. Good. All right. So that wraps up the show. <laughs> if you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes, rate it, review it, and most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. Uh, hashtag Dude Army. We'll bring it back, Dave. <laughs> oh, good. I love a good hashtag. <laughs> or uh, if you don't use iTunes because it sucks. <laughs> go anywhere else you get a podcast or go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, and we are on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, look for Dudes on Movies and we will uh, come up. And we have an email address, dudesonmovies at gmail.com. We'd like you mm-hmm. to use that email to uh, answer our question that we had earlier. Yeah, and we're going to have a question of the week too now, Dave. Yeah. So we're going to do... What is your favorite documentary? And if you tell us it's Crumb, you'll still get a point. Because, you'll I mean, why not? Yeah, you'll get all the you points. You'll get all the points. Everything is coming your way. Yeah, so use the email dudesonmovies at gmail.com or go to our Facebook or Twitter. You know, contact us. Tell us what is your favorite documentary. Mm-hmm. And if, if we get some responses, you know, we'll bring it up. Sure. We'll tell everybody the answer to the question of the week. That's right, dude. So um, stay tuned next week when we do 1989's Dead Poet Society, directed by Peter Weir and starring Robin Williams. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>